Christmas. I love Christmas traditions. Um, <laughs> confessions make straight after this service. Uh, Kath and I are traveling down to Bristol where our, our family are. So just an apology about that, but we can assure you that in future years, now we've been in Edinburgh for four months, Edinburgh's going to be the place that we have our Christmas. Great place to be for Christmas. Great many traditions I think you can establish. We, we've started trying to do that yesterday. Uh, Kath and I went along to the Edinburgh-Glasgow game at Murrayfield and thought what a great tradition we could have here that we go every year before Christmas and every year Edinburgh will beat Glasgow at rugby. We can only hope, I suppose. Uh, but there are some things that I do not like doing at Christmas. Let me give you uh, an idea of that. Let's get the stuff on screen if we could. Now, this is it. It is wrapping Christmas presents. I, I don't know if there is a gender thing here when it comes to wrapping presents, but this would represent very much my attempts at, at wrapping a Christmas present. Actually, I, I don't wrap Christmas presents. My wrapping is so bad that the cat has managed to say, just leave it to me, darling. And, and I'm, I'm happy with that. All fingers and thumbs just don't seem to get it working out right. And what's wrong with brown tape? And uh, so Christmas wrapping is a bit of a, a struggle for me. Mind you, there are some who do it really well. Let's go to the next slide. Who just know how to do it. I, I, is that taffeta, the stuff on the left that you wrap with? I, I realise I should have just checked to try and ignore my, uh, avoid my ignorance. That, that stuff you wrap around? Anyway, whatever it is, thank you for that. What, lot, lots of help you gave me there. Um, these are neat. These sharp edges. I like the way that uh, you can take a, open a pair of scissors. Children do not do this without parents being around. And, you know, what do you do? You roll, rub the little ribbon wrapping and it goes into tight, curly things. I always cut them in half when I'm trying to do that. Snap, snap. But I just think it's brilliant. And for those of you who've uh, seen the film Love Actually, that is not a recommendation from the pulpit to watch Love Actually, okay? Um, but those of you who have seen that film will be aware of the Ryan Atkinson scene of the Christmas wrapping that just goes over the top. You know, he puts one thing in after another. I just am in admiration of good Christmas wrapping. And of course, so many Christmas rolls are, are, are sold if we go to that next one. Uh, you probably have rolls of this in your home at the moment. You probably bought rolls. Could I just say, I look at them. It is all cardboard. It is big cardboard rolls. And you go and you think, wow, I'm going to get yards of the stuff. And you just maybe have one or two rolls round of your Christmas wrapping and the rest is just the filling to try and pad it out. But Christmas wrapping seems to be an essential at this time. Let me tell you some things about Christmas wrapping. Let's give, go on to some facts. Okay, over 8,000 tonnes of Christmas wrapping paper is used each year. Now, you may say, Andy, why on earth have you put a picture of the Eiffel Tower on that slide? It is because the Eiffel Tower weighs 7,800 tonnes. We use more wrapping paper in terms of weight than the Eiffel Tower itself weighs. Or, or let's put it another way. 
Over Christmas, as much as 83 square miles of wrapping paper will be used in the UK. Um, and just to try and give you some impression of what that means, you've got a map there of Edinburgh. Let's overlay 83 square miles with wrapping paper. And that's the amount of wrapping paper that we will use. And if you want to talk about the distance of wrapping paper, if you're to use it, let's go. Now, whether you can see this or not, I'm not quite sure. You have on the left-hand side planet Earth, the blue planet, and then to the right of that you will see the moon. And if you were to take all the rolls of wrapping paper and extend them out, this is the distance that it would cover. There it is, the distance from the Earth to the moon which, as you all know, is 384,400 kilometers or 238,855 miles. It's that much wrapping paper. Now, I'm not going to give, uh, say anything about recycling and what we're doing to the environment, but it is worth a thought. Christmas wrapping. Why Christmas wrapping? Actually, Christmas wrapping goes back to the first Christmas. You may not have realized that. Let's put the next slide up. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that that is an image of the first Christmas, uh, of what it was like there in the manger, in the cattle feeding trough, that that baby Jesus was, was laid. But it was really trying to convey that actually when we talk about Christmas, there is something about Christmas wrapping that is involved. And actually, we read about Christmas wrapping. Lucy read to us so well from Philippians chapter 2. Let me go, let's go back to verses 5 to 7. Again, they're going to be on screen. It says this, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Do you see in those verses, it tells us that Jesus Christ is in very nature God, but in that same bit, it then goes on to say he took the very nature of a servant. He was truly God, and he became Truly, man. Now that is something which is just mind-blowing. It is so hard to get our minds around this great miracle and wonder of Christmas. To, to try and put it in another way, when Christians have tried to boil down great Christian truths, they have sometimes done so through things like confessions. And so I went to a confession, it's a famous confession, it's known as the 1689 Confession, just to see how it laid out these truths. This is what it says, I just uh, abbreviated it slightly in places, but it says this, the Son of God, this is Jesus, the second person in the Holy Trinity, being very and eternal God, did take upon him man's nature so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures 
were inseparably joined together in one person. Which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man? Now, that's pretty heavy, but it's trying to convey something which is really hard to put into words, that the one who is truly God became truly man, and neither of those things were affected. In one person, those two truths remain. Let me try and put it in some other words. Again, it's there on screen whether you can hope you can read those words. We're saying this, Jesus Christ is truly God in every way. He was in eternity past. He was without beginning. He was in his life on earth. He is now and he will ever be truly divine. Jesus Christ has always been truly, fully, absolutely divine. But we notice at Christmas, Jesus did not stop being God. But he wrapped himself in true, genuine humanity. His birth was miraculous. The eternal entered time and space. These are incredible truths. These are mind-blowing. This is what the Bible declares. This is the wonder that, that God came amongst us, that the baby, that helpless baby who was laid in that cattle feeding trough was none other than truly, genuinely God. Little wonder in some of the great hymns that we sing in our carols. This verse, we sing, and, and at times we rush past it in our singing because the tune is familiar, but veiled in flesh means wrapped in flesh. The Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity. Incarnate means in flesh, the enfleshed God. <coughs> Pleased as man, he was a man with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. This is the remarkable, this is the incredible truth that we need to stop and remember. I've, I've got some uh, questions. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, uh, can you see behind the wrappings? Now, do we have any, let's, I, I'm going to start... I think, let's, let's start with the uh, P5s. If, you, if you're a P5, you'll, you'll be in here. Are you a P5? Hands up if you're P5. We've got some P5s. No one willing to admit to it, but there are. I understand. Okay, now, really hard one. Can you see behind the wrapping here? Let's go to this. What is this? You can see behind it. You know what it is. You're just so ashamed to say what is obvious in front of you. Mind you, when actually I put, I put that up, I thought, how many people these days do have PCs with screens and keyboards and mouth? Because it's all tablets and laptops. But this is how we used to do computers. Okay? So that's, you can tell it's a computer. You can see what's behind the wrapping. Let's go to the P6s. Let's go for the next one. This is really hard. <laughs> P6s. 
Bicycle? No, it's a car. Okay, we've got a car. You can tell what's behind the wrapping. You can put wrapping on it, but you can tell what's behind the wrapping. Now, the hardest one of all. I, I've kept this one back for the, the P7s. So let's go to that. <laughs> Could I just say this was a picture that I got off the internet? I had nothing to do with this. Children, do not go home and get some duct tape from your parents and try this with your cat. I think this is cruel. I hate to think what, what that took to do the cat. I, I hate to think what it took to get it off the cat. But it is a cat, believe it or not. You can tell, it's a cat. Behind the wrapping, you can tell what it is. Now, we've been saying that the Lord Jesus Christ is eternally God, wrapped in true humanity. But there's a problem. When he came to earth, let's go to the next slide. They didn't see it. They couldn't see behind the wrapping. Just think of some of the things people at the time witnessed when they were looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he healed the sick. He did remarkable things. He, he opened the eyes of the blind. He, he unstopped the ears of the deaf. He opened the mouth of the dumb. He healed the cripple. He, he touched the leper and made the leper whole. He healed the sick. But they didn't get it. He raised the dead. In his life, we, we read of incidents. There was a widow whose son was being taken out of a little village called Nain. And Jesus came up and he raised that, that, that young lad who was, he was dead. He was going to be buried, but Jesus raised him. He went to the tomb of a, a synagogue ruler in a place called Capernaum and went in. And the girl was dead, but he just said, uh, little girl, get up. And she lived. And, and, and then in Bethany, a home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead four days. And, and when Jesus went to the tomb, they said, Lord, he, he's going to be stinking. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And out he came, probably just unwinding the burial cloths that would have been around his body at the time. They laid bodies in these uh, tombs for about a year and after a year the bodies would so have decayed they then went to collect the bones and put them in another place for, for keeping. But he raised the dead! And, but so many of them didn't see it. He fed the hungry. Oh, what a saviour of compassion. The famous story we all know is about the five loaves and the two fishes. But there were 5,000 men and all the women and children and everything else that went with that crowd. Just one instance. There were many instances like this. And uh, Jesus kept breaking it. It's the bread and the fish and, and giving it to his disciples. And they kept going around and around. And uh, How could that be? Five loaves, two fish, 5,000 and more people fed and satisfied with baskets left over to collect. But they didn't see it. He calmed the storm. It's recorded how he was crossing Galilee. He was doing it with some of his friends, his disciples. They were fishermen. They were experienced guys. And he was sleeping there in the boat. He wasn't disturbed by the storm, but they woke him because it was so bad. 
and he just spoke a word. And the wind stopped blowing, the rain stopped coming down. And do you know, that's not the greatest miracle. For those of you who've been to sea, you will know that the greatest miracle is that the swell went. You can have a storm and the swell continues for hours, if not days, afterwards. I was once travelling up the Taiwanese Straits and we were following a hurricane and I tell you, I've never been so sick in my life. I remember going on top of the ship and praying to God, God, either let me see land or let me die. And really, I don't mind too much at the moment which of those it's going to be. Because it's rough when you're in that sort of storm where the swell is such. And Jesus spoke the word... And not only did the elements calm down, but the swell, it became calm. But they didn't see it behind the wrapping. He taught amazing truths. He hadn't been to rabbinical school. He didn't teach like one of the teachers who are current in the age by quoting sort of precedent law. But crowds gathered to him. And he spoke and preached some of the most amazing and glorious things. You see, the teachers of the time had perverted so much religion for their own advantage and for their own nationalistic causes, saying you've got to hate your enemy. And Jesus said, love your enemy. He, he said some amazing things, but, but still many of them couldn't see behind the wrapping. He conducted himself with absolute and unique integrity. For three years, he, he lived with uh, people very close to a whole company of people who saw him every moment of every day. And do you know, they were at the end of it, not one of them was able to say to him, hey, you did that wrong. Yeah, I saw that. He was without sin. The Bible tells us he was without sin. He taught amazing truths. He conducted himself with unique integrity. And then the final proof, he rose from the dead. He died on a cross. We'll say more about that in a moment or two. He died on a cross, but after three days, he, he rose again. The tomb was empty. The grave clothes, we are told, were left as if the body had just come up through it. It wasn't as if someone had come and unwrapped it. It was glorious and it was unique. And, and the head bit, which was a separate bit, was lying there at the top of that stone tablet where Jesus had been put. He rose from the dead. And still many couldn't see behind the wrapping. They couldn't see who he was. So the question we have to face this morning, the question we have to face at this Christmas time is, well, who is this? Who is this Jesus? Could I say, you have to answer that. Whoever you are, you have to answer it. You may say, I, I don't come to Charlotte, I'm just a friend, I, I've just come in off the street. I, hey, that's cool, but you still have to engage with this. Who is Jesus? Who is this? Was he just a teacher? Is that what you're going to say? Oh yeah, he was, he was just a teacher. Because actually he claimed to be the son of God. Nutter, if he wasn't. Was he a good example? Just a good example. Well, he was that, but think about it. You know, I'm going to die as an example. What? 
if there's no purpose, if there's no plan? Was he just a character from history? Could I tell you this? He is a character from history. There is still this urban myth. Let's deal with it here and now. There is no serious historian who has ever questioned the historicity of Jesus Christ. It is one of those stupid, unresearched urban myths. I am a historian. That is uh, my area of my degree work and, uh, and the like. There is absolute evidence for the historicity of of Jesus Christ. You will not find a serious historian who questions the fact that Jesus Christ lived. Well, was he just a character from history? Or was he a miracle worker? You know, some sort of magician? I'm not sure of many magicians who have risen from the dead. You see, or the other question is this, is he who he claimed to be? Because that is your other option. And my friends, as you are here this morning, you have got to deal with this question. Is he who he claimed to be? Let's go on. Let's try and follow the logic through. You see, for if Jesus is who he claims he is, if Jesus is who the angels say he is, if Jesus is who the Bible declares he is, if Jesus is who the resurrection shows he is, if Jesus is who Christians know he is, then I believe it has certain implications, and that hits each one of us here. Then, first of all, we should listen to the speaking God. The God who created all things, upholds all things, is not the God who is far away and distant, but is the speaking God, is the God who makes himself known. He speaks through his word. That's why this church is centered around the Bible, why we take it very seriously, why we share it with each other seriously. But, but God has spoken through the word, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who came down to be our saviour. We should listen to the speaking God. If, if this Jesus was God, then we have a God who is involved in our world and with our humanity. Then secondly, we should humble ourselves before the Holy God. We should humble ourselves before the Holy God. You see, if you and I, we have this great tendency where we may say, if someone says, how are you doing? Are you a good person? What we instinctively do is we will find others who we can compare ourselves with. Uh, and we'll find those who are pretty low down on the, uh, the chain, as it were. And we'll go, I'm better than them, so I'm a good person. We judge ourselves in comparison with others who are not as good as we are. Can I tell you this? When you stand before a holy God, an infinitely holy God a pure God, then could I say we understand ourselves for who we are? That you and I, however you may compare to others, you, according to the Bible, are infinitely guilty because of your sin and failure and rebellion against an infinitely holy God. Do you know the greatest command? You say, I'm a good person. The greatest command is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Have you done that? Every moment of every day? That's the greatest command. If you haven't, then you've broken God's law. If you've broken God's law, you have fallen infinitely short of an infinitely holy God. And therefore, we should humble ourselves before that God because the wonder of Christmas is that Jesus came to die on a cross to take 
our sin and failure and punishment, our hell, our death, our separation. We should humble ourselves before the holy God. Thirdly, we should respond to the reconciling God. You see, the very reason that Jesus Christ came and died on that cross, taking the sin of sinners, was so that we might be forgiven, so that our sins might be dealt with. We could never do it. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. There is a record of our sin and failure, and it is only through the finished work of Jesus on the cross where he took our sin and gave us his perfect obedience that we can be reconciled to God. Because there's something between us. Don't think you can say, Hi God, it's me. We're sinners, we're failures, we're we're full of shame. He, He is not. But he has taken the initiative in Jesus to make it possible for us to to know him. And then fourthly, I think we should follow the gracious God. We should follow the gracious God. To follow Jesus Christ as as Lord and Saviour is no hardship. To come and say, I give my life to you, thank you for what you've done is no hardship. It is a delight. It is a joy. It is to discover that God is for us. That the eternal God loves his children more than we could ever possibly understand. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I know Andy Patterson is a wretched failure and sinner. I know that. Every day I know that. Every day my conscience condemns me. But I know I have a saviour. And when I stand before a holy God, I stand before him clothed in the perfection of my saviour who has taken the initiative, who has forgiven me. We should follow the gracious God. To do so is life indeed. You think maybe you're just a product of chance, you're meaningless, it's just accident that you're here. My friends, the Bible is clear and, and you know it. You know it and you're in a being. It's not by chance. There is purpose to your life. As you grow older and as you find the things that you've chased after don't satisfy, as you come into retirement, and maybe at times in your most honest moment you go, well, was that it? You discover that in following the gracious God, there is life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full, that you might have meaning, that you might have joy, that you might have shalom and peace and purpose. We should follow the gracious God. Last thing I want to say this morning is this. Just to ask the question again, can you see behind the Christmas wrapping? Because there's so much going on at Christmas. So many places we need to be, parties we've got, celebrations we have, things to buy. Can you see behind the Christmas wrapping? For behind the Christmas wrapping, behind that baby laid in a manger, is none other than the God who died on a cross. Jesus who was born to die. Can you see behind the Christmas Wrapping a saviour, God entering time and space to reconcile failures to himself. And on that third day, knowing that that Jesus who died on Calvary's cross was the Jesus who rose again and is alive forevermore. And he's actually coming back again soon. 
Can you see behind the Christmas wrapping? The Jesus that we sing about, the Jesus that we celebrate is Emmanuel, God with us. If you'd like to think more about these things, there's several things you could do. At the end, there's the, we have a prayer team here who will be able to uh, help you. If you come, uh, and there are folks who would just love to chat. Maybe you could chat to the person who invited you to this service. Maybe you would be able to come to Christianity Explored, beginning, as we said, on the 17th of January. It would be great if you could come there. And it gives you an opportunity. It's not you're going to be bashed and biffed, but rather it gives an opportunity for questions and exploring. Christianity Explored, 17th of January. We're also going to be giving you, as you go out the door at the end of this service, a little booklet. You may have it already. We'll pass that on. Uh, telling you something about the Christmas story. And you might like to read that through and think about the things that are contained there. But the wonderful news of Christmas is, even this morning, you could know Jesus as your friend and Lord and Saviour. As we repent of that sin, as we say, I am sorry. And as we turn in faith and trust the living God and all that he's done for us. We're going to